Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm excited, Eric. We're, we're concluding the first half of 2022. Stock market is crashing. Um, but that's not why I'm excited. And I'm not excited that uh, Churchill Downs has Stephen Foster um, with chalk, you know, six other horses facing Olympiad. I'm not excited that the floor delete Churchill Downs has She Dares the Devil facing four others, big fields. Um, hey, Delaware, right up the road for me. I could go to Delaware on Saturday. They got the Delaware Oaks, um, a turf race that Brad Cox is bringing horses in. Not excited about that. Not even excited about the Dwyer, which we're going to be touching on, the return of Charge. I'm excited because Joey Chestnut is going to make his uh, annual appearance at Nathan's on Coney Island. And I'm debating on whether I want to go over or under 74 and a half hot dogs. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Come I on, man. About it. I don't watch that. Yeah, Come on. You know what? No lie. Do, do, do I, they peak at a certain age, hot dog eaters, or is he getting too old? You know How what? does that work? I heard he said, he said, if I knew now what I, uh, what I, if I knew in my twenties what I know now, I would just destroy it. So, for anyone who dabbles into the chestnut uh, uh, short-term investments, uh, the the line is seventy-four and a half. Last year he did seventy-six. Now, I'm going to admit that I actually bet on this proposition two years ago. The line was like 73 and a half or whatever, but here's the thing. So if anybody who wants to dabble into this, check out the weather at Coney Island uh, come Monday during the hot dog eating contest, which is around 12 noon. I bet the under <laughs> because the previous year, this is 2019, Previous year, he did 74. So they thought, well, maybe maybe he won't because of COVID. This was COVID year, but they still had it. So they only made it like 73 and a half. Well, I checked out the weather. It was going to be hot as hell, really humid. I'm, I'm like, this, this definitely has to affect, you know. It's almost like, you know, is it speed favoring or not? So I bet the under. And sure enough, Joey didn't let me down. He only ate 71. Ching! So GQ won his proposition. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that you won't be making any chestnut bets. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out of that one, GQ. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that one. Oh. Maybe I'll get a hot dog from Nathan's uh to <laughs> make myself feel better. But yeah, no, not into that. I, I'm more into the horses this weekend. Should be a Fun weekend, a lot of stakes races. I don't really bet Churchill, so I won't be looking there. I was actually tempted to look at the cross-country pick five because there's a horse running at Churchill I like. I, I didn't look at the PPs, but 
American Revolution. I saw it was like six yeah. to one or five to one. And uh, mm-hmm. I just think he needed the last race was a prep, but he might need one more. That's the only thing. But that horse to me is one of the best in the country. So um, that's the horse I would like to best. So I'm like, should I just single to him without even studying? And, you know, I looked at a couple of the Belmont races, really not you kind of know the horses in these stakes races that I don't study sure. too much, but I don't think I'm going to do it, but it's possible that I, uh, that I do that. So we'll see, but uh, I'm actually excited for today's show because we're really going to focus on ticket structure and uh, wagering, which is something or a big reason why we started this show. And it was funny because I, I texted or DM you earlier in the week about it and said, instead of having a guest, can we just do this? And you were all for it, which I appreciate. And then I, I was texting this morning. I'm like, I'm listening to a podcast and they're going over like the pick six at Belmont the carryover. And it's like killing me. They're like, well, you know, I don't really like this two to five shop, but he's an A for me. I'm like, oh my goodness. How can you not like a two to five shop, but you're going to put them on all the tickets. And then all these people, these analysts, especially these $1 pick six, they have these ABCs. And it's like, all right. So if you're doing this quote, ABC system, that means, you know, each race you're like matching up. So you're betting a whole bunch of tickets, depending on who's an A, who's a B. There's a $1 minimum. How much are you actually betting? And I don't think these people actually bet what they're saying, which is frustrating because you're advising people to bet. And, and I'm not accusing anyone. I don't know what they bet, but I can't imagine people are investing, you know, $800,000, just typical random people in these pick sixes for a dollar, whatever it is. So I was like, oh, we, we got to do something. And then, you know, we see tickets posted all the time. And you know, every time there's a single, it's a one to nine shot or one to five shot. That's the only time people single. And, uh, they, they, and if they spread, they keep the one to five shot in there. It's just a lot of terrible ticket structure. And while I'm not perfect by any means, I, I've been fortunate to learn from some good people over the years and have gotten so much better that I, I hope that I, and, and you can share some wisdom to the listeners as we go over the late pick five on Saturday at Belmont with a focus, not on the handicapping part, but on the ticket structure and wagering part. That was a pause for you to jump in, by the way. Oh, oh, no, yeah, I was, wasn't very I, good. I was going to say, you know, like maybe, maybe uh, we should expand on the title of the podcast. Um, you know, instead of just better betting, better betting with balls or <laughs> betting with balls. <laughs> because that's, you know, it's like, uh, I, I, you know, we talked about this earlier. Um, it just drives me up a wall the fact that people will say well I got to use the favorite defensively well you know come on you know grow a set you know if if you don't like the horse but these are the same people who will complain that you know a horse that got scratched at the gate and they wind up getting the favorite it's like well, I, I didn't like the favorite. I didn't want the favorite. If I, you know, if I liked the favorite, I would put the favorite on my t- ticket. Now I'm stuck with the favorite, which is an argument for another podcast. But, you know, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> it's just comes down to the mentality that people are afraid to lose. And they, that's not- they don't want to win. They're afraid to lose when they're playing these horizontal tickets. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent correct. And what, what's frustrating is like handicapping is subjective and you might disagree with me. I might disagree with you. It happens a lot and people out there might have different opinions and that's 
totally fine. I might respect your opinion. I might think you're foolish for your opinion, but regardless, you are you know, rightful to your own opinion. It's very subjective. You might see a hot pace. I might think it was a slow pace and not like the horse that was up on it. You do. But ticket structure and wagering is, I mean, while there's some, some subjectivity to it, there are certain things that are just wrong that people do that are wrong. And we did a few episodes with uh, Inside the Pylons and you know, talked uh, about this topic with a few other people, but that was the, the two episodes the most that we focused on it with someone very smart. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen those episodes, just scroll back. One was uh, a couple months ago and one was about a year and a half ago, but you can find our two episodes, episodes with Inside the Pylons. And in those, we really went over ticket structure a lot. And I, I learned a lot from listening to him and, and hearing from him. And I hope to share some of that info with our listeners uh, today and some other info as well. But it's frustrating because you have a lot of people out there and I learned from like people on TVG or wherever it was and people learn the wrong way because they see these tickets posted. And while some people might be excellent handicappers and there are a number of people out there who public handicappers who are very good, doesn't make them good gamblers or betters. And um, that's the frustrating thing that people think what they're doing is right. And, you know, there's so many podcasts out there and I enjoy listening to, to a lot of them. Uh, especially we've gotten to know some of the people that host some of these podcasts. We've had some on the air and I, I really enjoy their shows and um, not knocking anyone in particular uh, because a lot of them are good and, and I like them, but there's so many out there where they're giving such horrible betting advice and I, I don't understand how they can do it. You know, it's, it's like you're telling your audience how to lose money. And if people are actually listening to you, uh, you're really affecting people in a negative way. So uh, that's why when we go over the picks, I don't like to give out picks per se. Like, I don't want to just say, oh, I like the four. You know, we do that kind of, but we discuss why we like the horses. Uh, real quick story, then we'll get started. So if I told this on the air, you can stop me. I don't think I did, but uh, there was a guy, John Conti. Uh, <laughs> you said if you, if you had told it, stop it. As soon as you said the first word, I said stop. I understand. I And I stopped. <laughs> Can I continue or do you really want I'm, me to stop? I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> so, jerking your chain as so, usual. So people from uh, Long Island might know John Conti. Uh, he was actually on that horse player show on yes. Animal Planet or whatever. So yep. he got a national audience maybe for it. That was with Matt Bernier and uh, was in Christian Helmers. I forgot his name. I think that's his name, something like that. Anyway, so um, John Conti lives or lived. He passed away, sadly. Uh, but he lived in Oceanside, New York, and there's an OTB there. And I lived two towns over. So occasionally I would stop in at uh, the OTB, especially before you can bet online and all that. Uh, so we're talking early 2000s. And he had a sheet out. So every OTB in Nassau, and it might have been Suffolk for those who know Long Island. I'm not sure if they had a sheet with his picks for each race, like his top three or four picks for each race. And I would be at the OTB. He'd be there and I'd be behind him online. And I'd hear him occasionally making bets. And I would say maybe 50% of the time he was betting. And I looked at his sheet and he was not betting the horses on his sheet or not the same horse exactly. And I was like, what? Is he doing this on purpose to change the odds? And I mean, maybe he was just changing his mind or maybe he was a smart better and he saw horses with odds. So it's tough because maybe he did like a horse, but the horse was three to one and he thought he'd be six to one. And uh, that's why he didn't like the horse. But my point is things change. So even as we're handicapping, things change. So I like to point some things out. Uh, what we look for. I did a little of that on Twitter this week, but we're, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the pick five real. I know it's hard for me, especially, but and for both of us, but especially me, we're going to run through the pick five sequence, handicapping very quickly, you know, what horses, you know, we would upgrade what we would downgrade. And then after that, we're going to go into 
how to calibrate a ticket and focus a lot more on that than the handicapping on this show. So I hope you enjoy it and, and look forward to it. Uh, I'm up on Twitter at bandits BB that's at bandits BB GQ is at horse racing nut on Twitter at horse racing nut. So feel free to reach out to us. If you're listening to this, you either have questions, if you disagree or agree anything, we'd be happy to uh, chat it up. So GQ was there anything else or should we jump into the uh, sequence and run through it? Well, I, I just want to um, do a quick recap. Last week, when, when we had uh, the Thistledown announcer, Matt Hook, on the show uh, for the Ohio Derby, thank you very much, I read, for screwing me out of the pick five. Um, but, yeah, because it was just going to pay so much, even if my white barrio would have won. Um, but, uh, hey, anybody out there? who thinks you have an opinion that would benefit our audience. You don't have to be a track announcer or anybody famous on Twitter, but Matt Hook, he didn't have a big following. And I checked out how many followers he had prior to our podcast. Lo and behold, he upped his followership by 15, over 15%. I will take 100% responsibility for our <laughs> podcast upping that. So, hey, if you think you need a little bit more exposure on social media, just uh, drop us a DM and uh, we'll uh, talk, let's say. We'll have your people call our people. The, the better betting bump. <laughs> That's what we call it. Yeah, I got, I think we guaranteed him five new followers. So he got a lot more than that. And we'll just take credit, even if it had nothing to do with us. Yeah. But we'll, we'll assume it did. All right. So we're going to run through the late pick five on Saturday at Belmont. This is July 2nd. It starts with race six. And uh, GQ, you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I'm going to do it quickly. Well, I, I'll i go first real quick because you, I'll have you go first. Majority of these races. All right. So um, I'll go first. Uh, did you already say the conditions of the race or anything? Or I did not. It's a uh, mile and sixteenth on the dirt. It's a fifty thousand dollars starter allowance. Yeah. And it's funny. The thing that I like to do with starters, whether it's fifty or five, I like to look at all the other races which qualified these horses for these starters. Um, the the sad thing is the one bold victory, the three Blake B, the five dangerous edge and the six air show have already tested the waters in the, at this level and have failed. So does that mean they just don't belong and that opens it up for one of the other horses or is, is it just kind of like a watered down and this might be a watered down $50,000 starter. And for that reason, I would be on the three horse Lake, be if I'm going to get the six to one versus the five to two on number one bold victory because Lake B's last start he was 15 to one finished third by three uh barely ahead of bold victory who uh this was uh two starts back for bold victory bold victory comes back uh, drops down to a much easier level, beating not beating uh, horses, running against horses who haven't won other than their maiden. Runs like he's uh, you know a world beater. He, obviously, he didn't beat anything that day because he went off as a lukewarm 
two to one favorite. So now all of a sudden, because of that race, he's much better than Blake B. So I'll say nah. And I'll I'll go with Blake B uh as my top pick in this race. All right. So I said I'm gonna go real quick in the handicapping. I, you said that a lot of horses have run at this level and haven't had that much success. Um so this is a race I have the least opinion on. So it's tough when you're crafting a pick five ticket here. Um, because I don't have an opinion, I think anyone can probably win. Uh, I, I'm going to play, I'm going to play the board and play against the favorite here. So the two is the favorite in doubt. I'm going to play against him and, you know, maybe he'll win, but he, he had such a good trip and, and against much weaker. I'm willing to take a stand against, but maybe he found the right field. Um, out of the horse who ran in that race on June 4th, I'll take Blake B the three horse, the four righted on the ice. I, I thought last time down at Pimlico had an outside chance. It was probably a bad opinion, but he did get squeezed badly at the start. And he's a speed horse. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. He was speed recently. He has come up in pace in the past, but he was going against better. And once he got squeezed back, I mean, badly, he was done. So I don't care if they lost like 40 lengths or 20 lengths. It wouldn't make a difference. So three, four. And I guess the other horse I would want to use is the five dangerous edge, just because he hasn't really run against these. <laughs> And uh, he, he put up a nice figure last time. I thought he saved ground and had a pretty good trip last time, the five dangerous edge. But, and it looks like it was against weaker, but the field really wasn't that much weaker. So um, actress is uh, on fire here. So um, I, I'm going to use a three, four, five, probably in the pick five. But again, I'm, I'm, the board is going to affect what I do. We're going to assume for our ticket construction that the morning line is accurate, which it often is with, with David Aragona. So you know, I'm going to try and beat two favorites right away, the one and the two, not that they can't win. I can see anyone winning. And uh, I don't even think I have the third choice the six. So I'm, I'm kind of with some prices here. And, you know, if you have a leg where you're not sure and anyone can win, why not lean on the prices more so than the, uh, than the short prices, but we'll talk about the ticket construction after. So that's where I'm leaning. You heard GQ sauce. Let's go to race seven. Race seven is a starter. Uh, I'm sorry, not starter. It's a state bread first level allowance. Seven furlongs on the turf. Uh, there is a horse I kind of like in here. Uh, GQ, you want to go first again, or should I? Sure, I'll go. I'll go first. All right, we'll let you go. I'll, I'll go with the only horse who has not tested the turf yet. And that would be the four horse. Kiss me, smile. Fifteen, a juicy fifteen to one morning line, coming off of a Philip Serpy claim for fifty thousand and open uh, just versus three-year-olds. Majority of these horses in here are three-year-olds. Uh, I believe the, the five big owls gals, a five-year-old, the seven, uh, Miss uh, Loves Misery is four. Everybody else is three, but they all have at least run against older uh, ones in their career. So my, my stance against Three-year-olds running against uh, their elders first. Don't, don't apply to any of these in here. The reason why I like Kiss Me Smile is the fact of uh, her breeding. I'm a big, more than ready uh, on the turf, first on the turf uh, backer. And her grandsire, her sire was Dare, Daredevil, who whose sire was more than ready. So I'll take a stab at 15 to 1 with, uh, kiss me smile. Uh, other than that, um, I'll throw in the favorite, uh, autumn glory simply because, uh, being the brisnet guy, I find that their turf numbers, uh, are superior. Um, even though it's only a couple points higher, uh, autumn glory has the 
the best um, uh, turf brisnet number, which, you know, for all these horses have only been a couple tries anyway. But actually, everybody else isn't that far behind. Um, the, uh, the next horse, as far as brisnet numbers go, would be the nine Dufresne. So uh, I'll just stick with my 15 to one on top, uh, the four Kiss Me Smile. And for the sequence, I I throw in Autumn Glory based on um, what what she's done on the turf so far. All right. Um, yeah, you mentioned one of the horses that I like here. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I'm watching. Did, Belmont, you need uh, me to talk about more horses until running? No, I was hoping you would go for like 30 more seconds, but it's okay. I don't really have much to watch here. <laughs> I think the five horses winning. It's Belmont Thursday. They're on race five, so the five horse won. Well, five horse. All right. So. So oh, I'm, I'm good I'll oh, mention, okay. in this race, in this race, you know, you, you never mentioned about pace and whatever. That's not one of the things you really care about. I mean, even though the four on dirt shows early speed, that doesn't necessarily translate on the turf. I've seen many of horses with speed on the dirt and their turf form is just the opposite. They, 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 they just don't get out of the gate or they, they're not as quick on the turf. So even if that's the case for Kiss Me Smile, we still do have at least two others that seem to have early foot on the turf. That would be the seven, Love's Mystery at 12 to 1 with Kendrick Carmooch, who has ridden this horse in its last seven outings and has always taken the horse to lead early. And uh, the eight, Making My Move, one time on the turf uh, was second uh, most of the way around, and that was in the grade three matron. Uh, she's a New York bred, obviously, because this is a New York bred uh, race, and the matron is open to all breeds. So that was pretty impressive uh, for, for her to uh, uh, face uh, the open company in the grade three. So as far as a pace, there should be at least two up on the lead if you like anyone who comes off the pace. All right. And you have three favorites here. You have uh, the two, she's a Mia, Autumn Glory, the three, and the eight who you just referenced, making my move. They're all between two to one and three to one, those three horses. And, you know, if you're crafting a pick five ticket, you got to decide what you want to do with those three horses. And it's hard to separate. Like to me, the eight is the best of those for the reasons you just mentioned. You know, maybe just not a, a dirt horse per se. Lorenz so bad last time on the dirt, had an easy lead and just coughed it up. But, uh, you know, the turf race was impressive. The question is seven furlongs and if uh, she gets any pressure. The two, she's a Mia, I think will improve a lot. Second off a layoff here. Uh, first time versus older, as you uh, like to talk about last time. Was going longer last time, although hasn't had that much problem with the distance uh, last year. But, you know, that horse looks solid. Uh, and the three-horse, Automia, was out-finished last time by the winner, um, but was extending on the rest of the field. So, you know, it was clear second, and the winner came back to win. I can't really separate those three. They're, they're all very capable of winning. And the horse that I'm going to lean to, though, is outside the box there, and that's the nine, Dufresne. Um, I, I like this horse last time. I thought had an outside shot at a price, got off to a slow start, came late, got him for fourth, didn't run badly. Who knows if uh, the horse, I think, brushed the gate is what I wrote with a question mark. I think that's what happened. It was hard to tell him the head on. But uh, so 
this horse is a horse I'm going to lean on. And obviously, Dufresne needs a little pace. And I'm hoping the extra furlong will help. Sometimes those closers, when they stretch out, it doesn't help them. But uh, two back was off the layoff, so I can forgive that. And his, he was in that matron, too. She was in that matron, too. And uh, ran pretty good as a, a two-year-old, so she's improved as well. So I'm leaning on the nine. The, the two, three, and eight, though, all look very similar to me. And I wouldn't be shocked by your four. Even Happy Hill Lil, the one is not terrible. He ran okay. La- she ran okay last time. So he's already five-year-old, but uh, she ran okay last time. So I can see any of those five winning, but I'll definitely lean on Dufresne here in this race. And again, we'll talk about ticket structure on the flip side. Race eight is the Dwyer. It is a grade three, one mile on the dirt. And you have a small field with a couple heavy favorites. You have the one charge it four to five. You have the six, Nabokov, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I'm basically on my NHL goalie uh, pronunciation. So Nabokov, he's two, uh, yeah, two to one. That's the six horse with Chad Brown and uh, Flavian Pratt in the irons. And then after that, it's prices. I guess the three is the next uh, one at five to one off that 95 buyer two back. And, you know, to me, it's the one or the six. I, I don't see anyone else winning this race. You got some potential distance questions for some and yeah, charge it ran really well. It looks two back because he came in second in the Florida Derby. I just thought he had a really good trip, but it was a Florida Derby. And I know it wasn't the toughest field, but White Barrio is a nice horse, as we saw this past weekend. Simplification is a solid horse. So, you know, he kept solid company, even if it wasn't the best of the preps per se. And I would toss his Derby effort. I don't care what he did in the Derby. He, you know, he kind of was, he was actually in the same spot as Epicenter, just outside of Epicenter. And then he had nothing left on the second turn, but it was a fast pace. He was relatively close. I, I, you know, it was probably too much too soon for him anyway. So I can forgive that. The question is, you know, did it take a lot out of him or is, you know, is he ready to, you know, roll? And I think Charges winning this race. I don't like Nabokov. Uh, I know he can win Nabokov. He had 91 buyer last time on the stretch out, breaking his maiden. I just thought he had a e- fairly easy lead. Cloud Forest chased him. Cloud Forest was an 11 to one shot who came in second. In fact, it was like a merry-go-round race. It was only five horses. No one really passed anyone, which I think helped the front runner. So, I downgraded that effort a lot last time off of Maiden. Could he improve? And he still improved off his Maiden win, but could he improve? Sure. Is he good enough to win? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm against Nabokov. Again, we're assuming the morning line is correct. If he's like four to one and charges one to five, then I might change my tune. But at the morning line, you know, I'm definitely more on charge, even though I'm getting half the price or so than Nabokov. I could be wrong. Again, handicapping is subjective. You might disagree. That's great. But, um, and I don't. I mean, I'd love to see one of the other horses step up kind of, but while I think the five running on, what is his name? Running son of a gun. I upgraded his last race. He got held up in the top of the stretch. I mean, he's got an outside chance. I just think there's too much of a step up. And, you know, the three had that big number two back flu situation, the 95 buyer, but he had an easy lead to break his maiden, similar to what I'm saying about Nabokov. And then you saw his number was a lot weaker, though he was bumped and squeezed um and checked lacking some room early so he definitely had problems so if you like the three or five yeah i can see possibly but uh i just think the one is too good for them and i hate singling a chalk but that's what i'm gonna do and again we'll talk about ticket structure after gq you want to mention anything about the dwyer before i move on no i like like you said it looks like it's just charge it's race to lose you know the his his biggest uh enemy was himself he was still kind of green. He proved that in, in the Florida Derby. I agree. Taught, tossed the Kentucky Derby. You know, is this is this a prep for different Travers? You know, who knows? Yeah, you might have to worry about stuff like that, but who knows is correct. 
Um, so yeah, I I'm, I was just looking at a typical you know a pace scenario, but you know charge it. it I'm looking to see if there's any horse that could just go out, and, you know, go by itself. I don't see that happening. Plus, charge it has the ability to go out if Johnny B thinks it's a slow pace. So, I really don't see any scenario that could inhibit charge it from you know coming in with two big strong bullets. I I think he, he he's a clear cut winner and probably go off less than four to five. All right, so let's go to race nine. Uh, now we start getting big fields. The last two races are big fields, so you know I, I, they really helped this pick five. Without it, it would have been not a great pick five. Race nine is a six furlong turf sprint. It's on the inner turf. It's a first level allowance, and I guess I'll just go quickly. Is that cool? Yeah, go ahead. The horse I like on top, believe it or not, I'm surprised <laughs> it's 20 to 1 morning line. That's a 12 male order. Uh, this is a horse who ran June 4th, was coming off of about a year in what, four month layoff, something like that, a year and five, no, a year and three and a half month layoff. So almost 16 months off. And I thought it ran much better than it looks. First of all, it doesn't say in the uh, PPs, but it got off to a slow start and then kind of rushed up, stalked the 34 to one shot who came in last by a lot, which I don't know if that really means much, but you know, at least the 34 to one shot didn't hold on implying a, a slow pace. Uh, so and other speed did pretty poorly in the race. So I, I thought the race favored horse off the pace was coming off a layoff, uh, probably needed the race. I just is going to run a lot better here. My one feel with the 12, why I wouldn't be like in love in love is, you know, I don't know if this horse can only run on the lead and now going six furlongs. I don't know if the horse can get the lead. So that's a little concerning, but hasn't had that many chances. And Belmont's a very good trainer. So I'm hoping this horse can rate if need be, or is just fast enough to go. So, I, I can't single this horse because I do have a lot of questions, but at 20 to one, I'm, I'm happy with this horse. And the other horses I'm, I'm contemplating are the three horse for Christoph Clement, who improved a lot last time. Uh, and I just think that horse has a reason or an ability to step up. I thought he had a pretty good, or she had a pretty good setup last time, but still improved a lot, shortening up. If there is a fast pace, come off the pace. I don't love the three and the door, but I like the three a little. The other horses here uh, that I'm interested in, maybe the 11, Cruise Bay, 10 to 1 in the morning line. This is a horse who was up close early last race and kind of got checked back fairly badly early. And then, you know, was kind of waiting back and eventually made a little bit of a run. So I can kind of excuse that effort a little bit. I would think it's not definite, but I would think six furlongs would help rather than five furlongs on the turf. So this is a horse who two back run really well. I thought at Keeneland to come in third. Uh, he was coming off a layoff and finished pretty strong. So I, I like the 11 here, a, a significant amount of pack. That's 12-11 or my top two probably, then the three. And the other horse that I think has a very good shot is one of the chalks. And that's the seven. She's the one, Christophe Clement. I actually downgraded the effort two back, even though it came off a layoff. I thought it just had a really, really almost perfect trip two back. This is the seven. She's the one that was on April 23rd. Last race was in the Mount Vernon, which, I mean, she was five to two. So it wasn't the most impossible race, but Gia Coast is a, a classy older horse and classic lady might not be what she once was, but she's still a solid horse. So it's coming out of a, a fairly tough race and was checked back early. Um, and, and the leader kind of pulled ahead and had a, had a sit a little off. So the leader in that race, I'm trying to think who it was. I can't remember. I think was it, I think it was classic lady actually had the lead. They were running neck and neck early and then classic lady kind of either came in or she's the one just bailed out 
and Trevor check back. So uh, uh, seven, she's the one is solid there. Those are the only four I'm interested in. There's a few others I don't want to talk about that could win, but uh, so I'm with the 12, 11, three, seven, some kind of combination. Then I'll talk about how I'll use them in the pick five a little later. GQ, do you want to say anything about race nine? Not, not a whole lot. I mean, got a wide variety of horses. A lot of them in here. have only uh, beaten horses who, who haven't won a race. So I always look at that to see, you know, other horses that are in here that have beaten winners. So that discounts the first four horses. Then you got the five silky blue, three-time winner, three-time winner at Belmont on the turf. Uh, a so-so race, but that was a uh, um, New York bred. Doesn't seem to do uh, all that much uh, against uh, open as well. So that's why it's 10 to one. Then you got a horse that hasn't been out in uh, uh, 18 months in the six, Little Fate, a three-time winner, two out of three on the Belmont turf. Uh, this horse has come off the bench in the past to win. So actually two times in the past. So uh, put a circle around that one so I can say next week. Yeah, I talked about that horse. <laughs> we were actually talking before we went on the air and <laughs> – I should have included in my uh, numbers there. So maybe I will, because I actually like that horse despite the layoff a little bit, but yeah. I didn't know if I was going to go that deep, but I, I might. So uh, we'll save that for the uh, last part of the show here. Um, I don't want to shortchange it. Can we go to the last race? Or are you still going? No, that, that, that's fine. There, there's nothing more that I can add up. All, all I'm saying is, you know, about the fact that uh, look at horses who have, have already beaten horses who have gone to the winner's circle in a lot of these cases. So right, yeah, so, so I so so by default I'll be on the six since you didn't you, you left him off your ticket. Right, and I might end up using, but we'll <laughs> talk about that. Um, I didn't want to keep talking. So race ten is a first level open allowance, one mile on the Widener turf course here at Belmont. And in this race, this time I mean it. There's only four horses that I have any interest in using. I'll run through them very quickly, just in number order. The three, Jerry the Nipper. I'm going to wait for the workout report if there is one on. I don't know if there will be one, actually, because he was at Saratoga. But a uh, horse looks like he worked well on the turf. You know me in workouts, so I kind of poo-poo those, and that might end up hurting the price. But in a race where I don't see a ton of pace, there's never pace in New York turf races. So perhaps you know there's a horse or two that would go, but I don't see a lot of pace here. Jerry the Nipper, he's run fairly well on the dirt. He had some layoff lines, but you know now he's had a bunch of raises in a row, and, and maybe he's just fast in these and can wire the field on the turf here. So that's a three. And five to one, I actually like the four decent amount. Shorty, shorty, shorty. Uh, shorty, shorty, shorty. Uh, that's the four for Jorge Abreu. Cardenas, the jockey. There's a horse who is very, says keen and kind of, you know, keen, rank, whatever you want to say on the back stretch, and really didn't have much room and couldn't go anywhere. Probably used a lot of energy, and I just thought – uh, I can upgrade that race a little bit last time. And I just think this horse has improved as a four-year-old now. Uh, so why not another step forward, third off a layoff? And I think that horse has a decent shot and, and is a big price. So three, four. The next one is a 10 hidden enemy at 10 to one. I know we're talking about a layoff. This is a horse who ran sort of at this level. It was a non-winners of one open, but it was only against three-year-olds back in September at Belmont and came in second in that race. 
and he had a tough post position. He was wide early because a mile and 16th on the inner chart, they kind of start on the turn. So it's really not ideal to be posted in the nine post. It was like three wide around that first turn. It's kind of like half a turn they do, but, and then like two wide, not crazy wide. And I thought finished pretty well, uh, kind of lost a tough photo. If you had him that day at six to one, that was a tough loss because it looked like he was ahead the whole time and somehow didn't get put up. Came back, didn't run great against older at this level. On November 11th, didn't run awful, 80 buyer, but came in uh, fourth. I just thought maybe, you know, it's the end of a long campaign. He traveled a lot. He just needed a rest. But they send him to fairgrounds where he runs again, and he didn't run that well. So I'm just thinking he tailed off. Now he's fourth. He's improved at all and not the toughest field here. Again, I hate looking at the workouts because it hurts your price, but people are going to see that bullet workout, and maybe that means something. I don't know, but uh, especially 10 to 1. I know Asmussen maybe not known for the turf, but this is a horse I kind of like here. And the last horse that uh, I would use is the 12, probably the favorite or second choice. That's Poet of Life, Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt. Uh, this is the Widener course, so the outside post is not as, as awful here uh, by any means. Of course, who ran over in Europe, first time in the States, off a layoff, Peter Brandt, the owner. I watched the race two back. It was a handicap. He already actually broke his, if you look, he not only won an allowance race to break his maiden, but then he won a first level allowance race over there. So he's kind of won at this condition in Europe, but I'm assuming because the purses are so low, I didn't look at the conditions. I'm assuming that if you won like under 15 or 20,000, they don't count towards uh, this race. So I think that's why he's qualified for this race. Again, I can look if I really cared that much. Then they put him in a handicap race where he was the favorite, but not, not an overwhelming favorite. And he got off to a one, this two back August 21 at Sandown. Got off to a slow start, almost two lengths, slow start. Didn't really finish that strong coming in fourth that day, but I thought he ran fine. And it wasn't, it says good, but it was kind of soft, the turf course looking at it. And then he came back on a soft turf course um, against horses that I'm assuming are, are much better than this. And he didn't run a lick, but you know, he might not like it that soft. I, I don't know. Maybe that's, I'm making that up because he did okay early in his career, but had some time off, gelding, Lasix, all that stuff. I think this horse has a, a big chance. The only thing I don't like is the short price, but um, I don't know. Seven to two is not that short of a price. I don't think. So those are the four horses I'm leaning to in this spot. And again, we'll go over the, uh, the odds and, and how I would bet it later. I am leaving out the seven devils outlaw, who is the other Chad Brown favorite. So I hope I have the right Chad Brown. If I'm using one of them, GQ, any, any thoughts? And then we'll talk about ticket structure. Yeah. So, um, no, just, just the fact uh, I'm I'm in Matt enamored by uh, the fact that uh, Manny Franco, when he's on a Chad Brown horse, wins at 35 percent of the time. Imagine if he didn't have Chad Brown mounts, where he'd be. If he's a 19 percent uh, jock, um, that's just a sidebar. That's all. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 looking for the winner. I, I you know, there there isn't anything here that is telling me. Uh, yeah, the horse is a winner. I'd uh, be against a horse that lost by 50 his last time out at 7-2 morning line. It's Chad <laughs> Brown's horse with uh, Poet of Life, the 12 horse. Uh, hasn't started since September, so that put him right in the winner circle. Uh, <clears throat> I keep coming back to Hidden Enemy. I don't know why. The horse has only won one time, has won at this distance with a decent uh, speed figure uh, on the turf for this uh, uh, competition. But 
the horse that I can't can't put on top, but if you're horizontal better, I'd look hard at the two clickety tat uh, four times second and six starts at this uh, um, distance with your favorite uh, New York jockey, Heeman Harkey, aboard. First time off the claim for Linda Rice, who uh, wins at 19%. Um, I just think this, this horse uh, with the right trip can come off the pace and uh, maybe, if not shock the world, finally winning at this distance, uh, finish off an exact if you so much want to consider that. So um, haven't given you much other than a bunch of talk to, to waste time. So who I put on top, no, I, I'd have to, to go against you and say devil's outlaw just based on you know the, you know everybody who loves the you know third race off a of layoff type thing. Uh, of course, might improve. Why they're putting blinkers on him might be the reason why he uh, didn't win last time out. So, yeah, I'll go Devil's Outlaw on top with the the two horse clickety tat as a possibility in your vertical horizontal vertical exotics. That's it. All right. So we covered the handicapping a little slower than I wanted, but relatively quickly. Now we're going to get into some ticket structure, building a pick five ticket out of what we just talked about. So let's get into that now. All right. So the sequence starts with race six. You know, race six to me, I thought all six horses had a legitimate shot to win. So for right now, as I'm constructing a ticket, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to use them all, but I'm going to leave it at six for now. So first leg, I have six horses in my initial run through. Second leg, race seven, I kind of like the nine Dufresne at eight to one the most. He's not a horse I really want to single if I can help it, but that's horse I like the most. And then unfortunately, the next three are the three chalks. I also think the four and the one have a chance. So I have six horses there. So what I would do is I would write down, um, you know, six horses. There. I'm not using all six, but this is just how I construct a ticket. Who I think you know, has a legitimate chance at winning, or at least, you know, for a price I might want. So I'm six by six. Again, I'm not staying like that. The third leg, I already said, I'm just going to single charge it. It's usually in GQ, you know me, I'm not one to like bet chalk or single chalk. But in this case, I, I just, I don't know, unless he got like hurt in the derby or something, I can't imagine they're running him. Uh, to me, he's just a standout here, class, speed, everything. He's got a speed to make a trip. So I'm just singling that horse. But that affects it. If you're singling a four to five shot, that affects the rest of your ticket. If I was singling, a five to one shot in that race, that's going to play a lot different in the other legs, but I'm, I'm single there in race nine. There's actually six horses. I only mentioned four or five of them, but there's six horses that I might consider using definitely the 12 and the 11 were the top two, the three and seven. And then I didn't really mention GQ brought up the six and maybe the 10. So I'm going to write down six horses in race nine, which is like four, the 12, the 11, the three and seven, Six and ten. Sorry, they're not number orders, kind of preferential order a little bit. So that's six. And then the last leg, I was only interested in four horses, really. Um, three, four, ten, and twelve. So I have six by six. Again, I'm not betting this, but right now I'm six by six by one by six by four. If you multiply that and divide by two, my ticket right now is four hundred thirty-two dollars. Now 
I'm not betting $432 on the sequence, especially singling an even money shot uh, or four to five shot, even sub even money. So the question is, you know, what's, what's the next step? And listen, there are different ways to construct tickets. This is just a method I use, but I'll, I'll talk about other things as I go through it that maybe can help some people out. All right. So the first leg, if there's a race where you don't like anyone, especially the first leg, or not that you don't like anyone, you don't have a strong opinion. There's a few things you can do. The obvious first thing is you can sit out the sequence because it's the first leg and you can bet and pick four. The problem for me is in New York, the pick four, I think is 24% takeout where the pick five is 15% takeout. So I'd much rather play the pick five unless I really, really had zero opinion on the first race and, and couldn't do anything. But even then, I, I, I'll talk about next what I would do. So that's one thing. You could go all, I guess. But when you're singling an even money shot, you go all and you're, you're putting even money on everyone. That's, it's just not a smart bet, generally speaking, to go all. Now, if I was singling a 15 to one shot later on that I liked, and I'm like, I don't want to lose this first leg, where I have no opinion. I want to hit this with a 50. I can understand going all. I'm not one to do the ABC method that people talk about. I just, I don't think it's very smart personally. I just feel like, so, so you put, let's say in leg one, race six, you have the, not you particularly, but let's say me, the four uh, is 12 to one. And let's say I put it on the B line, you know, it's a B, which means for those who don't know the ABC method, you're better off not knowing, but that means that I'm going to use that horse as a B. So I'm going to use that horse with some of the other horses that I like in the other race, but not every one that I'm you know, cutting down to. So let's say the four wins is a B, and then a B horse wins like th- four for me at, at eight to one or 10 to one. I had a 12 to one to 10 to one on my tickets as quote Bs, and I don't have them together because I'm doing an ABC ticket. If I ever had that, where I have a 12 to one and a 15 to one, but I have them on different tickets and I didn't match them up together. I, I'd like, I don't, I don't want to say anything inappropriate, but I, you know, I want to jump off the roof. How do you blow that? So I just, I don't agree with the ABC method. The other thing is if you have like a favorite as like a C or even a B horse, like a two to one shot, you only like that horse third or fourth best. Why are you including that horse in your pick five? It just doesn't make sense for so many reasons. I don't know how much more it would cost you, but let's say adding a, a five to two shot that you don't really love is like your fourth or fifth choice in the race. Adding that five to maybe adds 15 or $20 to your ticket. Wouldn't that $20 be better served either pressing with horses you like or saving it for another bet or another day rather than wasting $20 on a horse you don't like? Again, there are extreme examples. Like I said, if you're singling some 15 or 20 to one shot, okay. You know, you know, the five to two can win. You don't love the five to two. So maybe you throw in that five to two, maybe uh, in that scenario. But generally, I wouldn't do that. So this first leg, I have a couple options as I go back to it, because I got to cut down from $432. I'm singling a four to five. Now, if I want to single like a 20 to one, who was like my top pick, say in race nine. Now I can talk about using a lot here, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. So typically what I, I would do so I'll say, all right, it's a spready race for me, uh, or it looks like a spready race, six horses only. If I think it's wide open, why don't I, and I'm singling a four to five shot, so it's not like I'm guaranteed a short price in at least one leg that everyone's going to have. Why don't I just knock out the short prices here? So I'm going to knock out the one, which is bold victory five to two, and I'm not going to knock out the two endowed at nine to five. Now, I know they can win, but adding them by cutting those two horses, and I'm also going to cut the six, the third favorite, Air show at seven to two. So by cutting the three favorites who I don't love particularly and just using the three prices, 
I've narrowed my chicken in half. I've saved a lot of money. And listen, if one of them win, of course they can. It's a short price to go with another four to five shot. Unless my longest price win the other legs. Yeah, maybe it happens that one of them win and I hit the other four legs and I'm upset with myself that I blew it. But I don't think it's going to be a you know $5,000 pick five I'm blowing here. So I'm okay doing that in this spot. And I'm going to cut my bet in half right away by cutting the three favorites in the race. I, I Not only don't I love the favorites, I actually prefer the long shots a little bit. So I'm at 432 with six words this leg. That immediately cuts it to $216, my ticket. And I said, I'm not really an ABC player. I'd much rather press my ticket. So I'll bet a ticket, and let's say it comes out to like $80, quote, caveman style. And then I'll press it. I'll use the horse I like the most. Maybe I'll single a race where I went three deep with the horse I like the most. So if he wins, I now have it for a dollar instead of 50 cents. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little later. So I'm down to three in the first leg. So now I go to the second leg, race seven. And GQ, like I said off the air, if you want to, I don't want people to think I'm hogging the spotlight. If you want to jump in, whether you have comments or even questions, or if you think well, listeners would have questions, you can be the voice of them as well. Well, um, just as an explanation, um, when you say a caveman ticket, I always, my definition of a caveman ticket is that you just bet one ticket with all the horses that you like, which means, you like every horse on that ticket equally, which really isn't the case, right? Or how I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I K-Man ticket is, correctly? for the most part, I think, and I could be wrong, but caveman ticket basically is what you're saying. You're betting one ticket. I don't know if it's every horse you like, because my caveman quote ticket would be $432. That would be a lot. And I'd right. love to throw in one or two more to beat charge it, you know, and be at over a thousand, but um, just for the, you know, fun of it almost, or the chance of a big score. Uh, but so yeah, K-Man ticket generally is when you bet one ticket, you might not be betting every horse you like, but yeah, obviously everyone is equal on the ticket because you have one ticket, 50 cents, uh, base in this case. So yeah, that's, that's a caveman ticket. And does that answer it or no? Yeah, right. It does. And also I, I, I love the fact that you look at races and for the most part, talking heads will say, oh, this third race in the sequence is such a great betting race <laughs> and they say that because the favorite might be seven to two well you know what to me a great betting race is when i see a horse that might be third fourth or fifth choice and i hate the favorite to me that's the great betting race yeah we just and okay. and, and, and just one more point sure you know, everybody, like you said, everybody wants to single charge it. This is, you know, all right, you say you single, you know, everybody's single, which means everybody can go deeper in all the races. So if you go deep and you're like, yes, I got a price in that one. Well, you know what? Everybody else got the price too, because they went deep as well. So the idea is the smart way is to, when everybody zigs, you zag. Meaning, if there's a race where everybody doesn't have a strong opinion, hopefully you have at least somewhat of a strong opinion, and you single, God forbid, you know, in a race that everybody else is spreading. But that's where you get your value, because if there's you know, like this particular sequence, 80% of the tickets are going to have charged sing. 
So if you get a price in one of the other ones, it ain't that big of a deal because everybody else spread. So, okay, that's that's all I have to say. No, it's definitely, uh, you know, important advice there. So, and you mentioned important, you have to be willing to lose. Like, not that you want to lose, but you have to be willing to lose some bets. And I mean, I have always said this, my winning percentage is extremely low compared to a lot of people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I haven't made money, um, you know, for the last three years, three and a half years, whatever. It's not that long-term. So who knows? And I'm on a bad streak right now. And <laughs> the race, you mentioned the, the good betting race. This is what kills me. We're doing this podcast. And I was on Twitter back and forth with a couple of people. I posted a thread the other day how the one horse on Thursday in race, was it six at Belmont, uh, is a favorite. And I don't think has any chance. I won't bother talking why now, but I was so betting against it. And of course, I like four horses. I like Joel on top, who was five to one morning line, and three others that were like double digits. So what happens? I'm going to bet. I'm a little distracted by the show, but doing the show, but I'm going to bet because I don't like the favorite. And I really think Joel's going to be tough and no worse than second in that race. And my three other horses are all long shots, including 27 to one on the eight who came in second. And he was more than that. And then they gate scratch the one, the favorite I didn't like was a gate scratch. And that killed me because for so many reasons, the odds took a plummet. And so I ended up not betting what I wanted to bet and didn't bet the race vertically comes in. Joel ended up going off like even money with 27 and one second and 12 to one or 10 to one third and fourth. The only four horses I was interested in one, two, three, four, and I, I didn't have it. So I was frustrated, but um, my point was that, yeah, that was a good betting race when you don't like the favorite before the scratch. I just wish I stuck with it even after the scratch, but anyway, all right. So let's get back to the ticket construction here. So now I'm on leg two. I cut the first one down to uh, three horses. I'm okay with that. I cut my ticket in half. Now, I don't know if that's the smartest thing in the world to do, but, I don't like chipping away at races and, and ITP talks about that too. It's better to just like make one big cut. And he talks about hurdles. So on that first leg, instead, if you have like all six and you're not sure, it's better to cut it to like one or two. Um, and this way you're really cutting a lot and you don't have to cut much elsewhere. You want to try and keep as much of that ticket together as you can, generally speaking. So instead of going like, all right, I can take two off of the first leg I can take two off the second leg, maybe three off the fourth leg, one off the, the last leg it's much better to make one or two large cuts and just take a stand in those races. I'm going to be doing that. It's just not in the first race. I'm still cutting the first race. Um, all right. So leg two now, this is race seven. This is where it gets really hard for me because I, I started to say, I like the nine Dufresne at eight to one, but he's not a horse. I really have faith singling. And I mean, it's a little bit of a stab on him. And the next three horses are the favorites here the two, the three, and the eight. And I really can't separate the favorites. So I have six horses, uh, or really six total, because I'm including the one and the uh, the four who are a little bit of a price. So I have six horses listed here, and that's almost everyone, which is not a great thing. In fact, there's, what, eight horses in the race, and I'm listing six of them. I'm going to actually, if it was me betting, I would come back, because what I would normally do is say, I'm just, and I might. You know what? Since the second, third, and fourth horse I like are the favorites, and the first horse is the price, just single this first horse Dufresne, and that divides my ticket by six. And there's a chance I do that, but if I was doing it in real time, I would be like, let me come back to this because I don't love Dufresne, but for the price, it might be worth the single. So I'm coming back to race seven. I'm leaving all six in for now. Not all six, but the six of them that I have listed. Race eight, I said I'm singling a favorite, which I hate to do, but if you're singling Charge It, you better think Charge It has like a 60-something percent chance or better of winning. I just think he does. So I'm willing to single him at about four to five or possibly a little less 
race nine, that's the race where I have six horses listed. And my top two picks are price horses. The 12, mail order is 20 to 1. And the 11, Cruise Bay is 10 to 1. The other horses I mentioned that I was going to try and use are the three, Anandor at 6 to 1. And the seven, who happens to be the favorite at 5 to 2. So those are the, uh, the top four. And then the six horse, uh, a little bit of faith at 10 to 1. And the other one that I listed, I didn't mention, was the 10, the Pletcher horse at 5 to 1. But I'm actually going to take that horse out. I don't like ch chipping away. I'm just going to call it five deep in this race. I, I didn't need that horse. That horse is my sixth pick, and he's 5 to 1, the second or third choice she is. So when you have a 5 to 1 and 4 to 1 is that far back in your picks, I'm just going to eliminate that horse. I, I don't need a sixth, sixth choice in the race at about 5 to 1 or shorter. It does scare me a little bit. Again, if I was singling a long shot or only using prices in another leg, I would maybe keep that horse. But because I'm not doing that and I'm singling a chunk, I'm going to get rid of that horse. So I'm going to hold off on leg four, which is race, um, race nine. I'm going to leave it with five. So I, I cut the first leg to three. Second leg I left so far at six. Third leg I got one. That's charge it. The fourth leg I'm leaving at five. And the last leg... Uh, I mentioned four horses. This is race 10. 3, 4, 10, 12, 5 to 1, 15 to 1, 10 to 1, and 7 to 2. So I guess if I like four of them the same, you could cut the 7 to 2 because if you like four horses around the same, why not get rid of the short price? But I I'm going to be cutting some other prices, and I I'm okay keeping four deep there where I mostly have prices. Again, if, this if the 12 was like a really short price, I would cut them. But to me, a $9 horse, I I'm okay with that as you know, being in the mix, I'm playing against the other chat. It will be similar odds, the seven, four to one. I think the only difference is that uh, Pratt is on the uh, 12 and Franco's on the seven. So the 12 will probably take a little more money, but maybe like you mentioned, you don't like horse losing by 50, you know, maybe he lost by 50 lengths last time. People won't use as much, but it's Chad and Flavian. So they probably will. So uh, I'm going to stick with four horses in that leg and I'm not going to cut that leg. So I'm set. So the two legs I'm set with right now, are the first leg where I'm going to use three. That's race six. Again, second leg, race seven, I'm, I'm stuck right now with six. Race eight, the third leg, I'm singling uh, charge it. Race nine, I'm five deep, I'm stuck at. And then the last race, I'm four deep, and I'm going to keep those four. So I'm pretty set with race um, six, eight, and 10, the even race. I'm three in race six, one in race eight. 10 or uh, four in race 10 and i still have six in race um race seven that's the second leg and five in race nine which is the fourth leg that's where i'm looking if i'm going to cut to cut now doing the math on that that's three by six you're seeing on my calculator so i don't do my head by one by five by four divided by two i'm at 180 dollars right now so if i i'm not doing it but if i bet a caveman ticket that's what it would look like $180 there. So where am I going to cut? Well, if I look at the two races, again, I don't want to chip away. So I don't want to cut race six and really have to cut race nine. Uh, I'm sorry, race seven and race nine. And those are the ones where I'm five and six deep and I got I to gotta do something about it. And, and I might have too much chalk. So when I look at the race, I'm like, All right, I definitely have more of the prices in race, um, race nine. So that's where I kind of want to keep all these prices in. I mentioned the 12. I mentioned the 11. I mentioned the three. 
I mentioned the six. The only not price is the seven who happens to be the favorite. So I look around. Is there another horse who's going to take money? The one Shannon for Brad Cox is kind of a second choice. I'm leaving that horse out. The 10, the Pletcher horse is five to one. I'm leaving that horse out. So I, I guess smart betting would be like, instead of using uh, five of them, just get rid of the five to two shot, the seven. Uh, she's the one in race nine and use four of them. Since you kind of have five horses, why are you using the five to two? I'm going to do something in the other race where I'm going to cut favorites. And, and that means the first two legs, I'm basically going to have almost all long shots. Because of that, uh, I'm going to keep the five to two and I'm not going to touch race nine. So race nine is going to stay the same. And I'm going to leave those five horses in, which means in race six, I'm three deep with no favorites. I'm using, if you want to use letters, D-E-F, meaning A is the favorite, B is the second choice, C is the second. I'm only going D-E-F. That buys me some leeway in the other races where I don't have to be as perfect in the other races because I'm using not that much chalk in the first leg or no chalk in the first leg. I'm skipping the second leg with the six horses in it right now. I'm going to cut. Third leg, I'm singling the A, the favorite. Next leg, I'm going to stick with those five horses. I have the favorite, but after that, I don't have the second and third choice. So I have like the A and then the D, E, F, G, whatever it is, meaning, you know, the favorite, but then not the second and third favorite. And the fourth leg, I, I, I'm kind of spreading there with, um, I don't know if the, the 12 is the favorite. So I might have a lukewarm favorite and then a little bit of prices. So I don't really have too much chalk there. So that brings me to race number seven. This is where I have to decide what to do. I'm at 180 using six horses, which means... It comes down to $30 a horse. I'm obviously using Dufresne here. What do I do after that? Well, even though I like the two, the three, and the eight more than the one and the six, the question is, do I just add all that chalk? And you have to ask yourself, do you have enough prices elsewhere? And I don't mean like prices, including the favorite. So if you have like a, the three to five shot every race, if there was one, and then you added prices also, that's not really what I'm talking about having prices. I'm like, you only have prices in other legs. And I, I do to some extent, but maybe not enough. So I really have to reevaluate race seven. And I just want to make, like I said, one cut rather than chipping away at race seven, and race nine. So I look at race seven, I'm keeping Dufresne. If I just single Dufresne, that's a $30 ticket. I can even go all in the first with Dufresne and it's a $60 ticket. And that's something I would think of doing. So, you know, I could go all for 50 cents in the first race, singling Dufresne in the next leg and do what I said the rest, one by five by four. I have a $60 ticket and then I can press with the three longer shots in that first leg and that would come out to another 30 and I'd have 90. That's one option I have. It's definitely a possibility. I, I don't know. It's two days away. I got to see the odds, but that's a possibility. The other possibility is to cut down race seven since, you know, I have the two, three and eight the A, B, and C, meaning favorites. And they're all kind of like co-A's or whatever. What do I do in that race? How do I separate them? When I can't separate them, I just, I don't want to cut one of them per se. So if there's one I like more than the others, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the board. And that's why it's so hard to tell you what I'm going to do or anyone's going to do three days out or two days out. If one of them is a bigger price and is not getting bet, I'll probably use that horse with Dufresne. So maybe I'll only have two in this race, the nine and either the two, three, or eight, whoever's not taking the money. That's a possibility. I can't see using all three of those favorites though and having a $120 ticket with this much uh, chalk with a four to five shot. So that's what I'm kind of coming up with. I have a few options. So in race seven, I'm not deciding yet, but these are what, how I would think about it. Single Dufresne, eight to one shot, a long shot. 
add all six in the first leg for 50 cents and then press with the three longer prices I like in the first leg. That's one option. Second option, single Dufresne, just have a $30 ticket and, and press from there. The next option is just get rid of the three favorites and race seven, the two, three, eight, who I all like the same. Use Dufresne, but then add in that four horse, what thing has the outside shot you mentioned, and that's uh, what Kiss Me Smile, the four, and the one Happy Hill Lil, and throw in those two, and that's a $90 ticket, and I have prices, but I, I don't really love that ticket. If it hits, though, I'm using no favorites, n- none of the top three favorites in the first leg, and none of the top three in the next leg, so that's a, a ticket where I'm definitely getting prices and, and you know will pay even with charge it. So that's an outside possibility. And the other thing is I can pick between the two, three, and eight and maybe just choose one of them. So I use the nine and let's say the two. And now I have two horses at race for 60 bucks. Again, I'm not saying I'm perfect or this is absolutely right, but this is the way that I would go through the sequence. And these are where you have to make decisions. The other thing is there's going to be scratches most likely. In fact, th- these can come off the turf. It's possible it rains, which would totally throw things off, obviously. But I'm just trying to give you a sample of how I break down tickets here. So that's where I'm, I'm looking at. But in general, I, I try and make one or two cuts rather than a lot of chippy cuts. And that's why well, I can't cut race eight. I'm not cutting race nine. I'm not going to cut race 10. I'm using all the horses I basically want to save for uh, that one Pletcher horse in race nine. I'm going to leave out because he was my sixth choice at five to one um, as the third favorite. So I'm going to leave that horse out. And I'm just cutting race one and race two. So I made two cuts, one in half and one you know, significantly uh, in race seven. And again, I'm going to play the board. I'm going to see what the, the odds are and, and see where I can get some value. And that's kind of how I approach this ticket. And then just to sum it up and, and talk about it, I talked about pressing. What I would do is I would press more. So for example, I'm not singling, I'm using, let's say five horses in race nine, but I definitely like the 11 cruise bay and the 12 the most. So I'll have, let's say it's a $60 ticket I come up with. Excuse me. I'll then bet Another ticket, the same thing, but instead of going five deep, I'll only go two deep in that race. And of course, I chose top net. That'll be $24. So if Cruise Bay, the 11 or the 12 net order win, I'll have a dollar ticket. I'll have extra on it and I'll be uh, alive. What other people do is like the ABC met. And so maybe they'll have some of those horses with certain horses in other legs, but they won't in others. So the ABC met then might be like, all right, race seven, the uh, two, three, and eight. The chalks are my Bs. The nine is my A. So what they go is, all right, they single the nine, who's eight to one in race seven, and then go deep in the other legs. And then they say, all right, but now in a separate ticket, I'm going to use the two, three, eight, who are my B horses, but they're all chalk, and then go short in another leg. So I guess like, you know, in that case, they would go two, three, eight in race seven, the chalks, and maybe only use the, the two long shots I like in race nine. And honestly, the ABC met then probably wouldn't be terrible for me because I'm usually picking prices. A big problem people have is they'll use chalk as their A. So if they go two, three, eight, the chalk in race seven, like, all right, but because they're Bs, I'm going to cut other legs and they'll go shorter in other legs. But when they go shorter in race nine or race 10, they're only using the favorites. So now they have the chalk with the chalk in a smaller ticket. And it just doesn't make much sense from a value standpoint, because even if you win, it's not going to pay a ton. And you got to hit it an insanely high rate. You're kind of betting against yourself in a sense because you don't have, you have horses you like, but they're not going to be on the same ticket. They're not matched up like I alluded to earlier. So, um, but that's that ABC method, which I'm not, you know, fond of and I don't use. So something you could do if you're interested, I, I just don't find it very profitable personally. 
Um, so those are just some thoughts on, on the pick five. GQ, do you have any either comments or even questions that you have or, or listeners might have? Because I you know you're a smart guy. I don't want to sound condescending like I know more than you. I don't. But you know, if there's anything you think that people would question, uh, feel free to ask or add comments. No, I, I thought it was an excellent breakdown of, you know, you came up with a ticket that obviously was too expensive. So you did a great job explaining, you know, why and where you'd, uh, you know, cut it down. So. No, great job. All right. And yeah, I don't want to go on, but just looking at, I mean, I can even just cut race nine to two horses, those two long shots at 12 and 11. And now we'll come my But yeah, I'm looking to make big cuts rather than chip away. Unless you're chipping away with the chalk, which people usually aren't. Like even today, I was looking at, I bet Belmont, uh, pick five or whatever. And I was like, all right, I got to cut. Where am I going to cut? I'm like, well, in, it was actually this race. Um, race six, where I didn't like the favorite, I had four horses. Happy Hill Lil. Uh, I'm not Happy Hill Lil. I'm looking at the wrong race. Uh, the, the Rosario horse who won. This is on Thursday. I'm just talking. He was um, going to be the second favorite. And then I had three long shots with him. I'm like, all right, I can cut down and either single Rosario or use only two horses that race. I'm like, all right, that's like a fairly big cut going from four to one or even four to two cuts in half at least. But then I'm like, you know what? I hate to do that because I'm cutting out double digit odds. The 27 to one shot ran second. And that was after the favorite was scratched, which wasn't at the time the pick five was bet. So we're talking about a horse who was going to be 30 something to one. I'm like, how can I not use a 30 something to one? Even if it was my third likeliest winner, I got to keep them on. So I, I can't cut prices like that. So I'm looking to cut where I have more chalk and everything matters what you're doing in other legs. If I wasn't singling a four to five shot, I would be not as ready to cut chalk in other legs if I was singling a longer shot. And that's usually how I bet. I'm usually looking for a price horse I like and singling that horse in the sequence. And if I'm right on that horse, you know, I'm hoping to get right in the sequence, even if it's a little chalky in the other legs. And generally I'll still pay if I'm singling eight to one or 10 to one shot. You know, if I get three chalks, as long as they're not like, you know, all three to five, four to five, you know, I still can pay. So yeah, that's, that's what I uh, take out of it. I would love for people to ask questions or if they have comments and they disagree or anything, uh, to whether you share on Twitter, we gave out the Twitter handle before, or, um, you know, just hit us up in, in some form, uh, some of you through Slack, if we're, you're a part of Wasabi and you're listening, just so we can talk about some other things and structure. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do something more like this again. Uh, maybe we'll have someone on who's good with ticket structure too. So it's not just me blabbing away and someone who might know more than me even to, uh, to discuss it. But those are some ways that I kind of formulate a ticket for the pick five. So that's pretty much all I got. No, oh, hey, uh, great, uh, great time to uh, dissect that since we, we kind of that's what that's what we're all about, making sure people understand and, and to bet smarter. And uh, yeah, it was due time that we actually dig a little deeper into the message. So no, yeah, the, great, the great handi- job. The handicapping is fun to do and it's easier in the sense that we can just talk about a horse. Someone can look at the PPs. When I'm going through all these numbers and races, it gets confusing, especially if people are driving, listening to podcasts, which I like to do when I drive. You know, it can be hard. So that's why I hope I didn't like lose people with all the numbers and races. So I tried to go as slow as possible and repeat things as I went through. But yeah, no, I would love to do more of this. And, you know, we should talk more vertical betting too as we go through the races. So I think that's something we should do. Maybe less handicapping and, and more of this and more betting the specific races. And we'll try and do that as we go forward. Uh, we won't neglect the handicapping totally, but we'll, we'll definitely focus a lot on this. You know, it's probably pointless for us to repeat each other handicapping and seeing, you know, saying things that people can obviously see. So, 
but maybe a little change. Next week, we might have a different show. I'm working on it. I know I kind of told you about it, but I'm not sure if it's happening. Uh, but we might have a author on next week, a writer, and we might be doing some reminiscing about some now defunct tracks in America, a specific region, but I don't want to talk about it yet because I'm not sure if that's next week or we're going to put it off. But I'm waiting for kind of a quiet week to do it. And Saratoga opens in two weeks. So I'm thinking maybe next week, the week before Saratoga would be a good week to do it. So I'll see if I can get this guest if he's free next week and to show you uh, out there. Hopefully you won't want to miss if you like talking racing history and recent racing history too, especially certain region, but you'll have to wait till next week to see about that. GQ, anything to wrap it up? No, have a great three-day weekend, everyone. Uh, Unfortunately for our uh, Canadian and other worldwide uh, listeners, they don't have the holiday come Monday, but Independence Day for the good old USA. So uh, enjoy. All right. Well said. Enjoy the holiday weekend. We will see you next week. Ta-ta.